And welcome, everyone, once again to another weekly Yes And podcast. I'm your host, Travis Thomas. So great to have you on the Weekly Yap. And uh, today's guests, that's plural, guests, uh, is a husband and wife combination who, um, interestingly enough, uh, I was supposed to meet years ago, but this is actually the first time uh, we are meeting and via Skype call, via interview. And uh, it is uh, Dieter and Jenny Randolph. They are the creators of unitysociety.com, and they are the authors of the new book, Branching in the Journey from Alone to All One. So uh, welcome to the Weekly Yap, uh, Jenny and Dieter. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to actually talk in person. As you said, we kind of almost crossed paths a million times, and I guess we just weren't ready, and now we are. So I'm grateful. As the, the universe finally decided <laughs> now was the right time. Yes. <laughs> And, and so the, the connection, the connection for the the three of us is that we share uh, mutual, really, really good friends down here in Florida, and um, they are sort of the connector between uh, between the three of us. And it just so happens that we have kind of lived near each other a few different times, but have never connected. Uh, and so. Uh, if we're not going to connect physically yet, we might as well get on the phone and start talking. And no better reason than to talk about uh, this new book that the two of you have co-authored. Well, now that the restraining order is expired, we can get within 50 yards of each other, and so it's, it's healthy. Well, I, I didn't want to go there, Dieter, but I appreciate you getting into the logistics <laughs> of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, um, let me let me read um, sort of the uh, the excerpt that you guys have from the book, and then uh, we'll jump into the book, and I'm sure we'll cover uh, a million other things under the sun as well. But this is from the book, and then I'll let you guys chime in. Um, everybody wants to connect. Each person has a desire for an experience of transcendence, love, or a bigger life. Some call that pull evolution, and for some, it's a matter of spiritual development. What if it's both? The way to embrace the challenge of existence is to see your present material circumstances as finite examples of an infinite nature. We call this exercise branching in because we are working from many individual manifestations to one timeless truth. You don't need anything extra to be who you already are. Branching in is the process of understanding the current moment as the fruit of a more profound life experience. We follow it through branch and trunk back to root and use that expanded awareness as the seed of something new. I love that, guys. That's beautiful. I mean, that alone uh, makes me want to just consume the book. So, so tell us more. Tell us about branching in. Well, I want to start by talking about how the idea sort of came about. And we take a lot of morning walks together and we live in a beautiful city and it's right by the water and it's gorgeous and so we will walk to coffee just about every single morning and we'll walk back and we have been Dieter is a unity minister and so we have been in the ministry for more than 20 years at this point and we see a lot of self-help books and religious books and we're prolific readers and there was always something that was kind of bothering me about all of them, yeah, as, I, as I read through them. And so one morning we were walking and I said, Dieter, I'm irritated. And he said, what did I do? And I said, no, that's, <laughs> that's you didn't do anything this time. But no, it really was um, something that was on my heart and in my mind that all of these self-help books, so to speak, were kind of giving you a formula um, and they all sort of start out by telling you that you're wrong because in order for them to sell you the book or give you any kind of knowledge, you have to be in a bad place. You have to be wrong. You're, you're saying the wrong words. You're eating the wrong foods. You're doing the wrong exercises. You're praying wrong. You're meditating wrong. There's, you know, they have to be able to, there's something that you're not doing in order for them to be able to tell you what's right. Well, so many times, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is with the live yes and, it's so amazing that the approaches so often start with this big no. 
Right. You're you're wrong. You're mistaken. And you know you got to admit it's a great way to sell something. The example that we use a lot is there's a there's an infomercial. If you're like me and you're up late at night, there's an infomercial for a hair care product that says every time you wash your hair, you're doing irreparable damage. And you know the fabric of our society is going to collapse if you keep right. washing your hair this way. And so. I don't even have a lot of hair. And now, whenever I'm in the shower shampooing, I think about that commercial. I think, oh, I'm, you know, on some level, I'm wrong for doing this. And even though, once again, I don't have a lot of hair, I have this desire to go get this ridiculously expensive and probably not very good product because it's made me feel wrong. Well, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You clearly needed that infomercial 30 years ago, Dieter. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's the idea that you start out wrong, and there's some guru that's far away. And you know, books and teachers are wonderful, and we can learn a lot from people all over the place. But if my answers are somewhere else, mm. then they're never precisely where I need them to be. Right. Right, and so yeah, so 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 media loves to play on fear. Uh, they love to play on obviously what you what you don't have and what you need. And so it sounds like that that's sort of the, the core idea that, uh, that that got your attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, you, you know, like we say, you don't need anything extra to be who you already are. You can start wherever you are and move forward at your own pace. That difference in in uh, perception, being able to, as you might say, say yes to something, is huge. You know, we come from the spiritual end of things, but even if somebody doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter. So often on the spiritual side, there's this element of world denial. In other words, if you follow this method, if you're a good boy or girl, or if you suffer enough, you get to pack your spiritual bags and escape. Sure. You know. And, and that always kind of rubbed us the wrong way because to us, that's like having a transitional relationship. I mean, can you imagine being with a romantic partner and saying, I'm just going to stick with you until the right person comes along? Sure. I mean, that's, that's a path to therapy. So there are people who have that kind of relationship with their worlds. And our position is if it was really about escape. You know, every hero you ever had, whether they're a spiritual hero like Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, the Buddha, or whether they're a hero like Dr. King or Gandhi or or Mandela or any of these people, if it was about escape, all of those people would have said, you know what, just keep on suffering. But heroes help right here and right now. And so our basic idea is let's affirm something good about where we are. Let's make a difference where we are. Let's decide that we have some inherent worth. Yeah, of course, we don't have all the answers, but there's something in us that makes us want answers. And to say that differently, if you were meant to suffer, wouldn't suffering feel about right? It would feel like room temperature. Right, right. But the fact that bad stuff feels bad and good stuff feels good is a little bit of proof that you're meant for something better. Let's go where that leads. That's the basic idea. Well, one thing that stands out to me that uh, um, you said uh, earlier, uh, Jen, is that that this idea came about when you guys, with your morning walks, to go and get coffee. The first thing that strikes me is, A, my relationship is flawed because my wife doesn't like coffee, therefore we're not going to get coffee in the morning. Oh, you know, we also do marital counseling. <laughs> so that's that's probably the reason the two of us haven't partnered on a book yet. Um <laughs> So, but so, uh, but what I love though is that so you you, got, you have this moment of inspiration uh, while you two are walking, and so um, writing a book is not easy, and writing a book with two people is really not easy, and so from the moment of of inspiration to to really sort of fleshing it out and putting this together, what was that like? We started out sort of taking notes and saying, okay, what does this? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Let's let's really kind of address this. And I I'm a teacher at heart. I have um, I used to teach music a million years ago. Um, I've homeschooled both of our kids. And Dieter Dieter is a, a preacher, and I'm the teacher. So he gets he's all heart, and I'm I'm more sort of the science, the math, the head part of it. Mostly, yes. I'm just the looks of this operation. Right. Well, I'm yes, afraid. yes. I'm afraid. Someone has to be. <laughs> So I started taking notes and he started saying, okay, what, how does this, how does this make you feel? 
And so we went from that and we kind of went back and forth a couple more times. And we eventually um, started teaching a class. We set, we did a seven-week class on this. We kind of broke it down. And then that kind of forced us to do outlines and notes and refine. And refine. And refine yeah. yeah, exactly. And then we took those notes and then those became kind of blog posts on our website for a little while. Mm -hmm. And, and then that gave us a different audience and some feedback there and taking it from verbal notes kind of stuff into long form writing helped us figure out what was important and what wasn't and getting to do it in front of people helped us really figure out, wait a minute, this is meaningful to us, but it's clearly not meaningful to anybody else sure. and some things the other direction and so on. Right. right. And, and then we took those, the blog stuff, and then we just, we took about nine months and just really refined that. Towards the end, we actually just, uh, you know, both of our kids are grown, 18 and 22 now. We said, okay, guys, you got the house. And Jenny and I went and checked into a hotel for a weekend and just finished the book. And it was really fun to get to do yeah, that. Yeah, just turned Although, everything off, just... Yeah. yeah. The, the major at the hotel did not believe it. What are you guys doing? Or, we're, we're, we're writing the book. You know, it, it seems suspicious, but it was honest. And, uh, and so there's something really beautiful about it. And part of it for us was there was this driving idea that we really need to look at this concept of, of not being wrong. But more specifically, there's our, our religious tradition is called unity. But it doesn't even matter where, you know, what the tradition is. For us, the, the basic idea is. In unity, we talk a lot about what you think about is what you get in your life. And that's sort of a universal principle. Everybody has some concept of that in the world that we're in. And the problem with that is what Jenny and I have come to call unity shame, which is, in other words, there are people that go, okay, well, what I think about is what I created in my life. Well, I'm having a bad time. Does that mean that mm -hmm. I'm bad? And people go to a place of blame. And I've even had people tell me, you know, I didn't want to go to church because I felt so bad. Which is, to me, like saying, I didn't go to the hospital because I had a fever. Right, right. <laughs> it's precisely the place you go. So we wanted to fix that that challenge, and we wanted to say, instead of thinking about your feelings and creating that distance, what if there's something good about feeling bad? What if you're allowed to feel those feelings? We feel like you've got this wonderful feedback mechanism. Yes, of course, if you feel good, if you're having a good time, we really believe there's something inside of you that says, go do more of that. But on the other hand, if you're feeling bad, the absolute wrong thing to do is go, I'm going to deny that, I'm not feeling this, I am a robot, whatever. Your body, your heart, your whatever is trying to tell you, quit doing that thing, or you weren't meant for that, or maybe it's time to grow in a different direction. Well, that's really valuable. I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Thank right. goodness for it. So, so it, it sounds like, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's being able to accept sort of the current situation, but accepting, accepting how you're, you're currently feeling and, and, and being able to be with it, uh, experience it, move through it, uh, and, and ask yourself sort of kind of, what am I learning from this situation? Yeah, it has to do with the difference between facts and truth. Mm -hmm. and, and what we mean by that is the facts are the things that are going on in your life, and they are absolutely really happening. But there's a fact that you used to be shorter than you were. And the facts change. Your fact about your weight changes. Your weight fluctuates. You know, um, the fact about what you're yeah, the fact about what you're eating for that day or for the week changes. Those are the facts that are true about. You and know. the fact is, I'm feeling a certain way right now. That's really happening. Mm -hmm. It's really just happening. not all that's happening. Right. The facts change. The truth doesn't. But we believe that you can look at the facts and sort of walk backwards through that and get to the truth of yourself, your being, your situation. That's the branching in process. The idea is the things going on around me and in me are really happening, but they're not all that's happening. And the example we use is, for example, if you want to have a better relationship with your romantic partner, it's important to be able to look at that person and say, you know what, you're not just what you do for me or don't do for me. You're not just our physical compatibilities. You're not just this material level. I love all of that, but if I'm going to get good at this relationship, I'm going to look past appearances and see that beyond you, behind you, above you, whatever, is love itself. And it's not that you are all there is to love to me, but rather love is the music that we both dance to. In other words, it's about finding something bigger in and through the appearances of life. Right. And when you find that something bigger, 
you remove the adversarial component. For example, Dieter doesn't take out the garbage for me. He takes out the garbage for our marriage or more appropriately for love in general. I don't do the laundry or cook dinner for him. You know, I do it because it's a joy to do and I do it for something bigger than myself. And so that's the goal is to look past. Because like I said, if you're setting it up for the other person, you're doing it, you're already setting up that adversarial relationship and that separation. Mm. So it's, it's, it's very integral to find something bigger that, that you can work on. And that obviously doesn't just translate into your personal relationships. That can translate into your work life, into your spiritual life. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely. If, you, if you're not crazy about your job, and a lot of people aren't, figure out how to see something bigger beyond the surface. Figure out how to branch in at your job. In other words, can I see this as serving something bigger? And sometimes that element of transcendence can make you so good at your job that you get promoted or just gives you a different outlook to where it doesn't make you feel like a loser anymore. On the other hand, um, if you're not able to see it as service, but that change in your paradigm, your attitude, your expectation – all of a sudden you find that that job just kind of goes away and you're doing another one before you even realize it. And I know that works because I've had both of those. I was going to say, I was going to say, we've, we've walked to this path. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I, you know, I just love the, the imagery and the, um, uh, of the branching in, and uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite sort of you know ideas or analogies is is uh, you know uh, the fruits and the roots, you know, and how I, I think what I hear you know a lot of what you guys are talking about is it's it's really easy to spend a lot of our time always trying to you know wish that the fruit were different or trying to change change the fruit uh, uh, when in essence you know the deeper the deeper work is really what's happening under the surface. What is the like what is the bigger purpose? What is the bigger sort of mission at hand? Um, and so if I can ask you guys, and because we're sort of in unprecedented, unprecedented territory right now with the state of our, the state of our country and the sense of anxiety and stress and fear um, for more than half of a population, <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and so to take this idea of, of branching in, there's, there's, there's such a sense for a lot of people of helplessness, of fear, um, uh, uh, thoughts of this shouldn't be happening. And, and, and so to take this idea of, of, of branching in to sort of kind of what the country is feeling, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We went to uh, the, the march here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we went to the march um, that was, you know, the companion one to the march on Washington the day after Inauguration Day. And what we found was, obviously, there, was, there were some people who were protesting something. There was, but it was, a, it was a dramatic minority. By and large, the people who were there and I like to think us included, we're standing up for something instead of against something. No matter what, uh, we say you increase what you praise. In other words, you get more of what you pay attention to. That's just how the universe works. And so if your whole thing is fighting, you might win the fight sometimes. But, you know, if you set yourself up to be, I am a slayer of dragons, well, there's always going to be more dragons. Mm. I think we all know people who are just wonderful rescuers and they're always there to beat the bad guy and it's a nice person to have in your corner but after a while it's exhausting because those kind of people are always on to the next fight they never they never are not fighting and so what the the, the branching in idea in that situation would be yes there are things going on in the world right now that are scary or unfortunate or frustrating any of those words well ask yourself why are you frustrated why are you scared? It's not just because there's a person who's got personality traits that you're not wild about. That's so superficial. More than that, people are frustrated because, for example, there's this idea of love and acceptance that's not getting expressed. There's an idea of freedom or, or whatever that is not getting modeled. And so, okay, let's get past the thing and get to the idea. And so, okay, there's this love that's not getting expressed. Well, I can't go make other people be loving. I can't force people to be a certain way. We're not looking for conversion. We're looking for inspiration. And so how can I model that? How can I stand up for love? Because that's the thing. One of the things that's driven us nuts 
get about all of this is there are people in our world that say, well, I'm not going to do anything about this. I'm just going to send out love. I like that voice that you use. That's my, that's my sort of sensitive, that's my sensitive <laughs> I, new age guy. I, I, I like that. I, 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 I can see that person. <laughs> but you know the person. You know the person. And that, that person comes from such a sweet place. But the thing is, there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, if you are surrounded in love, if love is everywhere that you are, if it's the one and only presence and power, you can't send it anywhere. We like to believe that love, good, truth is not just floating around like an oil slick, you know? So it's always where you are. The thing, the thing is to do something about it. But more than that, love stands up. You know, every time I do a wedding, there's that quote from, from Corinthians that everybody reads, you know, love is patient, love is kind, and all of that. And it's very sweet and it's very pretty. But there's a part in the middle of that that people have glossed over by that point because they're already thinking about whether or not there's a cash bar at the reception. <laughs> there's that part where it says, love rejoices with the truth. And that's really important. In other words, if I really love you, I'm not going to put up with your dysfunctional behavior. So many times people have come to us and said, well, you know, if I just love that person more, they'd be nice. Well, it never works that way. Love is the power that says, you know what, I love you so much that I see the best in you and I insist on it. And so, once again, love stands up. If you really love something, you move your butt, you know? Well, I'm reminded of one of, one of my favorite sayings is, I can't do all the good that the world needs, but I can do... What, what, oh God. The world needs but the world it. needs all the good that I can do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yes. I probably have to. Do, you know, so so I can't do everything, but I can I can do what is in my heart to do, and I think that that is where I would tell people to start. And so you know, we have, like I said before, we have a twenty two and an eighteen year old, and they were they were they're millennials, and they were devastated. Um, they went to Bernie rallies, they went to Hillary rallies, they, you know, and they, they were really well informed. And this was the first time that both of them got to vote in a presidential election. And um, I think that when we had to do damage control for them, um, it was it was like, okay, guys, what what's next? You know, are you going to sit here and feel bad and be angry? Or are you going to do the next step that it takes? And it's important to start where you are. Yeah. And even if it, that is writing a letter, making a phone call, um, and even if it is sometimes just going, okay, I'm going to have my friends over and we're just going to talk about this so that we can support each other. Even if that's where you start. I think that, like you said, love... Love makes you move. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's if, it, if that's what it took for people to get engaged, to be passionate about something, on either side of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. right. if that's what it took, then let's start with an attitude of thanksgiving. Let's start with an attitude of yes instead of an attitude of no. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know what? It stinks that I had to get so mad that I got off on my barca lounger, but you know what? I'm up on my feet now. <laughs> and I'm going to... I'm gonna like. There's such a thing as barca. I was gonna thing. say you are really aging yourself. <laughs> um, I'm really, I'm really picturing your uh, your your man cave in the basement there, dear. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean is the thing is, I really feel that if you get in touch with an idea, it leads to action naturally. I think sometimes trying to force people to behave a certain way is a mistake because even if you get them to do whatever you want them to do, their heart's not in it. You're not really making a difference. You're just, it's just coercion. Right. But on the other hand, if you can make an idea powerful, if you can find something beautiful, true, uh, something spiritual, whatever the, the big word is, doesn't matter what the big word is. If you can find something like that, you move because you can't help it. You know, they call it falling in love because you're moving, but it doesn't feel like you're moving under your own steam. I think that any profound idea, once again, whether it's love or truth or beauty or God or anything, humor, you move automatically. And so the secret is of all of this is people ask, well, how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Well, Obviously, right now, you're doing the things that are already important to you. You wouldn't be doing them. The question is not what are you doing. The question is what's important to you. Right. So find the important thing. Find the big idea. And you'll start moving automatically. Just find an idea big enough. And for some people, they don't even know where to start. 
you know, because maybe in our culture we're told that it's not okay to want things. Maybe we're told that your ideas aren't any good. Maybe people grew up being told they were miserable sinners or just whatever. Well, your best example of that is, is you know, the evil can evil analogy. It really is. Here's a guy Let's that see. was like, I'm going to make my entire life about jumping over things. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a good plan that. right there. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, and, and there's a, probably a lot of people that were like, that's really crazy. Um, but okay. And the thing is, I love, you know, I, you can tell the generation I grew up in because I had all of the toys, but evil Knievel is a man who is too ridiculous to be taken seriously. But he's too serious to be taken ironically. Right. Yes. So you can only approach him with sincerity because he has found something true, even though it's a goofy something. Right. But that's the point. It doesn't matter what. What we would tell people is find something that's like that for you. There's something that you do that you lose track of time when you're doing it. That's a sign that it's the truth about you. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, I like making cookies or I like jumping over flaming school buses or, or I like standing up on a platform on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter what it is. Find something that you lose track of time doing. Find something that moves you because no matter what it is, the world is a better place when the people in it are passionate about what they're doing. That's the world I want to live in. And so, you know, this whole going back to your question, gosh, we, we were long-winded people. That was a question a million years ago. Um, going back to your question, you know what? I'm grateful that it has stirred passion in people. Let us be passionate people. We need dedicated dreamers and we need bulldog believers if, the, if this life is going to get better. I don't need everybody to agree with me. Yeah. I just need people to be passionate about what they believe in. So passionate that they show the world by their actions. Right. Instead of with yeah, yeah. I think the, the 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 idea I find solace in that I have to keep reminding myself is if if uh, Hillary had won the election, there would be uh, I I wouldn't know the extent of um, issues that still need to be addressed in this country uh, had this result not happened, um, and and to the extent of of how much work there just really needs to be done, and and how this is really sort of bringing to the surface so much anger, frustration, discontent, um, and uh, uh, frustration that, that really ultimately needs to be handled. And we've been given this amazing arena <laughs> to, uh, yeah. yes. To, yes. To, to address it in. Uh, um, well, absolutely. I mean, I spend a lot of time watching stuff like John Oliver and The Daily Show. And I look at you know all of my pals on Facebook. And so I had really believed that the whole world disagreed with me. You know, right. we all, the, all, the four of us in our family, we went and voted and then we went out to coffee and we just really thought, oh, we're going to win this in a walk. Yeah, and, well, and we met uh, Nadine Smith, who is the founder and um, uh, I guess she's, she's, she's a, the leader, she's of, the leader of Equality Florida. Yeah, so and she was there and we said hi and we hugged. And it was like a part, sitcom. It really oh, was. And her oh, partner oh. was wearing white and Raina and I were wearing white in honor of the suffragettes. And we were just, we were already partying before it was, you know, before yeah. even it was over. But right. what we found out was that we were living in a bubble. Right. You know, and it, as it turns out, not half, but approaching half of the country didn't agree with us, didn't think that everything we did was awesome. And so it was really a wonderful, you know, it was sad and scary and all. I went through the whole spectrum, you know, like a lot of people did. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? I'm so grateful that my little bubble got popped. And what I learned is there's a lot of anger and hurt. And if I put myself out in the world to be a healer, then I need to look at that. Instead right. of ignoring it and pretending like, oh, those wrong people will come around. Well, that's egotistical. Right. <sighs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I would be I would be remiss, you two, um, uh, be, if, if I didn't give an opportunity for the listeners out there who, who don't know much about uh, the Unity Church. Now, now Dieter, you've been a, what, a third generation Unity minister? Yeah, my parents and my grandparents. And, and the headquarters of the Unity religion is a, uh, a place called Unity Village, Missouri. It's outside of Kansas City. And actually, I was born there. And so I'm as Unity of Unity baby as you get. And uh, when we talk about unity stuff, it, it's like, oh, here we go. They're bringing out the literature. But um, it, it doesn't work that way. The, the basic idea of unity is, as the word would indicate, it means oneness. The idea is we're all in this together. 
And so what you find is love and acceptance. And people ask me what we believe all the time. And it really boils down to this. We believe that God is good. And that means that you're good. And so you should go do good in the world. And there's more details, but that's really the essence of it. And that's how you know you're on the right track as far as we're concerned. But we don't really get into a lot of judgment and a lot of that kind of stuff because we just don't have time for it. Yeah, and actually, I've, I'm a big fan of of the Unity Church. Uh, I got got a chance to do a do a talking one a few years ago. Uh, my wife and I both have a Christian Science background. We both grew up in Christian Science, and I know nice. that I know there's a Unity there's a Unity. Yeah, we are we are cousins, uh, and so um, I've yeah I've I love everything that Unity is about. Um, so tell us now about. Um, Tell us about the Unity Society website, so unitysociety.com. Uh, you have fantastic blog posts there. I know you guys have your own podcast now. And so what can someone expect uh, by going to unitysociety.com? Well, basically, there are a number of organizations within the Unity Movement that are doing great works that are kind of top-down, as a lot of religious organizations are. We're going to you know, have a school, let's say, or, or a printing operation, all that, and that's great. There's a lot of associations of ministers. We love that, but that's not what we're here to do. UnitySociety.com is really kind of a fan site. I was going to say, it's a fan site. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, we're trying to generate grassroots enthusiasm for these ideas. Yeah. So we're talking to people instead of to ministers or churches. And the idea is living this life in peace, on purpose. The idea that that you're worth something and that, that you have the power to make a difference in your world. And so when you come to the website, you see you know articles about living this stuff and also just things that are compatible. There's recipes. There's places to go in town. There's there's you know anything that's sort of compatible with the life of what I think about is what I'm going to experience in my life. Therefore, I need to take an active role in my own consciousness in my own life. It's uh. Well, it's about bringing it out of just going to church on Sunday morning, I think, too. For mm-hmm. me, it's just like, you know, it is it is an opportunity to walk this, to walk the walk. Yeah, it's an erasure of compartmentalization because you get what you expect. And so it's not okay to just have God happen for you on Sunday morning mm-hmm. because, my goodness, wouldn't you rather have a, a, a week-long experience of that? You know, and so it, there are so many people that say, well, I'm going to reserve my best self for when I'm around people who validate me. Yeah. That one day a week. And what we say is, do you go to church to be validated or do you go to be challenged? Because, man, we got stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. And so it's about living this life and being so excited about it that, you know, that people go to church or go to their jobs or approach their relationships as the spiritual equivalent of an informed consumer. Right. That's kind of the goal. Well, and to go back to sort of the point that you made about, obviously, the outcome of the election, Dieter, uh, this this realization that uh, we've been living in a bubble. And so so with, with Unity Society and the work that both of you are doing, how has the, the impact of that election sort of changed the two of you uh, just kind of how you go about your day and, and, and how you sort of think about and embrace the community at large? Well, I think for me, I think I'm a little bit kinder. Um, I think I'm a little bit more patient um, because I, I really resonate with the idea that I have to now really be a shining example. Um, and we try to, you know, and I think our kids feel that as well. Um, we... We, shortly after the election, we had to travel to um, California, to San Francisco, and we really loved the idea of the, wearing the safety pins. Um, and so all four of us were wearing, you know, the safety pins in, in various places, and it wasn't for really anybody else, I think, at least for me. I'm going to speak for myself. No, I hear you. But I think it was a reminder to myself to stand up and be present. It wasn't to show, and I kind of, it was not really obvious. It was kind of hidden on a on a strap for myself, like on a purse strap or something. But um, it was a reminder to stand up and be present. And if I saw something going on, or if I saw that there was meanness in the world or there was injustice in the world, that it was my responsibility to be a presence of love and be a presence just to say, no, we're not going to do this right now. And so I think for me, coming out of my bubble has reminded me to pay attention. I'm paying attention right now. I think I'm looking around, and there were a couple of experiences that that we had – 
you're, you're, Dieter's a dark hair, dark eye kind of, and he drives a very dirty Jeep. Um, and he was getting, <laughs> so I, I yeah. look like, I, but, I don't, but I look like a Leonard Skinner fan. Right. So. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, and at the point, I think at that, at that moment we were still doing no shade November. So he has this big old beard and everything. And he went to pump some gas. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. He went to pump some gas and, um, of course, he was thinking about a million things, and so he drove off, and he was like, oh, did I, you know, finish at the pump? Did I close out at the pump? And so he drove back around. Well, there was a black woman who was pumping her gas, saw him, immediately got back in her car, locked the doors until he left. And I thought, wow, okay, this is we need to be more more present here. Yeah. We need to be it, it may attention. Yeah, we need to stand up for love in whatever way it makes sense to us. It really woke me up, because like we said, we had spent a lot of time just patting each other on the backs about how right we were and how that was enough, just to sort of let that rightness carry forward without any action or consciousness even. And the word that kept coming back for me is the word democracy. And, and in other words, the world is made up of people just like you and me, but I need to extend that perception of what just like you and me really means. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to remember that we have a say in what happens, not just in the voting booth, but in every moment. And furthermore, it it also bringing it in, my life is the matter of the general trend of my thoughts and feelings and actions. It's not okay to only be aware that you're in the driver's seat at certain times. And so if I want to fix my world, I need to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on in my mind and heart all the time because majority rules. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, it reminds me, uh, a good friend of mine, Janessa Gans Wilder, she she has an organization actually out in California uh, called the Euphrates Institute. And uh, uh, she was in, you know, she was in Iraq during uh, during the war. Uh, uh, she worked. Uh, she worked for the CIA, and so she she started this organization as a as a way to bring peace in the Middle East. And and the method for doing that is to take Americans over to the Middle East and have authentic Middle Eastern uh, experiences by by talk by talking to actual people, having actual conversations, and sitting down and and seeing our similarities and seeing what we have in common. Uh, and just that idea of of conversation, you know, you, you look at you look at the election the election itself, the outcome of the election. We're still not having conversations. We're still just yelling at one another. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, that's true. And you know, again, I, to, to go back to your bubble analogy, and um, you know, how can we continue to? You know, because I, I I get fired up. You know, I, I feel myself get emotionally charged. You know, just just seeing a sticker on a car and um, right, and I'm like, okay, how you know, how do I how do I get to that point where we can literally just have conversations without you know w- without having them turn into debates? It's it's going to take some time. It's going to take concerted effort. It is easy to get to that place of being fired up, and I hear you. You know, I have often thought about uh, getting on Photoshop and making stickers that look like the quote-unquote bad guys stickers, but that actually say something like, you know, I'm insecure about my masculinity. (laughs) That look like the slogan. I've talked him off the ledge a couple of times. (laughs) I would have bought that sticker. I would have bought that sticker. My plan was to secretly put it over the sticker on the other person's car and hope they don't notice it. We're going right to, we're talking about peace, we're going right to vandalism. Yes, yes. But it's so tempting. What I'm saying is I absolutely hear you. I think that it's going to take some time but I think that it's going to require people to be the bigger person. It, it, it takes two to have that fight. And so it might be that the other person is so in touch with their anger that they don't want to be the other voice in a dialogue. They want to shout. And you know what? They're allowed. Like we said, we were now aware that there's a lot more anger than we thought. And those people who feel that way are allowed to have that anger. But I think that we need to be the bigger person and say, okay, how can I get done with my anger more quickly? It's valid. I'm not saying deny your feelings, but say, okay, I'm angry because people aren't coming from a place of love, let's say, or whatever it is for that for everybody. So I'm going to find a way to come from that place of love. So what would love do? 
okay, I'm going to find ways to be accessible. I'm going to have less Facebook posts about the quality of our commander-in-chief's hair and more about what needs to happen to bring love about, let's say. Right. You know, I'm going to find ways to not be on the attack, but go once again. You know, people say, what would Jesus do or what would the Buddha do? That's great. I love that. But what would love do? And I would say, you know, as far as something physical, be aware of where your money is going. Yeah. We vote with our dollars. So be be a very educated consumer when you as you go forth and go forward to do this because and spend that in, in loving ways. I mean I I know that both of us as soon as the election were, was over, we both joined the ACLU. Um, I immediately signed up to volunteer at call centers and for, you know, our political party here and our local and I'm now working very closely with our local um, government to affect changes here. It may may seem small, but we are making changes. We are, you know, we are going forward in really wonderful ways. And, and the, I think the goal was always, I'm going to back with my money, with my time, with my consciousness, whatever. I'm going to back things not that are trying to add ammo to the fight. Right, not against. How, how can I be a part of something that raises awareness? Right. You know, it's interesting. Just as we're having this conversation, I, I think back to to Obama uh, becoming elected, and his his core message on, on on that on that night was: this is not about one person. This is not about one man. Basically, unifying and 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 changing the country. This is about this is about what you you know the citizens do, and. I, I, I don't think the full impact of that message was really felt until this election night mm-hmm. because because it, 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 I think what most of us are waking up and experiencing, uh, to your point, Jenny, is that there's a lot more that I have to do. There's a, there's a greater role that I need to play on an individual basis. It's not about who we have in leadership. It's about what are we doing uh, individually, each of us, uh, to... To, to to make a better country, to to be a better citizen, to um, to be a to be a better version of what we're about. Yeah, just to stand up. I, I think that a lot of people, maybe myself included, to some level or another, were content to just have society happen to us. I yeah. was, I was guilty of it. I was like, hey, we won. This is cool. Yeah, but I mean, all even, right. Yeah, that's I it. get to go have my coffee and but I mean, you know, about like, everything that. that <laughs> and I'm using the, the grand we are society, it's so easy to just be in receive-only mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, was at a, I was at Chipotle a week or so ago in line, and I, it's so funny because I looked down, I put my phone away because I was killing time looking at Facebook on my phone, and I looked around, and literally every person who wasn't wearing a Chipotle uniform was on their phone looking yeah. at something. Yeah, and it's I can't I can't have a moment of of boredom, and we all know that boredom is where revolution, inventions, creativity, creativity. right? You gotta have moments of silence. That's how it works. But anyway, you've got this group of people who are just receiving, just constant, constant receive, receive, receive. And so I am, and, and you see that in every area, not just on the phone. You see it in the way that people move through life. If we're not careful, we end up like the people in that movie up, you know? And so I love the fact as, as much as, you know, I shed tears and I felt anger about this election thing, but you know what? I'm grateful because it got me off my butt and I know it got a lot of other people too. Me too. And I plan on staying on my feet, not to fight, but to really be alive for my life. So you know what? Thank goodness for that. Yeah. I'm really yeah. okay with that. There's this movie that I had to watch back when I was in seminary called The Mission. And it's, it's got De Niro in it. It's a great movie, but I, I'm not necessarily recommending Jeremy Irons is in it. Great movie, great people. I'm not necessarily recommending it. It's, it's, it's one of those movies that's important to watch, but it's work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the point is it's a mission, and they're monks, and all kinds of horrible things happen. And so it's, it's rough to watch, but there's this part at the end of the movie where uh, one of the people in the movie says, well, this is just the way of the world. And the other character says, no, this is how we have made the world. Hmm. And the point of that is, you and me and everybody else, the world is made out of us. There's not us and then other people giving us society, life, culture. We're part of culture. Right. We get to say with our dollars, 
with our attention what we want next. So let's stand up for awareness, for love, for growth. Let's want to produce something. And, and the thing that I come back to a lot is think about how you feel after a Thanksgiving dinner, let's say, when you've eaten too much versus think about how you feel when you've made something with your own two hands, when you built something for somebody or when you, you, you bought them a present or when you wrote a song or baked cookies or whatever it is. The way that you feel when you produce versus the way you feel when you consume tells you a lot about who you really are. Yeah. So let's get out there and make stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, amen, amen. And, uh, and since you were talking about, uh, you know, t-shirt slogans and sticker slogans, and, uh, I've got, I've got to steal one again from my, from my friend Janessa at Euphrates. And I think it, you know, it, it, it her, you know, the idea of this came obviously from our relationship with the Middle East, but I think it, it couldn't be any more appropriate for just what's happening in our own country right now. And, and the idea that she talks about a lot is, um, the other is your brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And so I think right. that's, that to me is, is sort of, you know, what, what is, what is the opportunity? You know, that's the opportunity right now is, can I, can I see the other as my brother or can I be the brother to the other? Um, but, uh, before I know I'm looking at the time before we run out of time, uh, please tell us about the chickens. I do. It's it's already it's already one of my my fa- I I when I do workshops and things I have this this little kind of story that I've made up but the chicken story is true and it's even better. So please tell us about the chickens. Okay, and it is absolutely It is absolutely true. It is I mentioned Unity Village, which is sort of the, the headquarters for the, the big seminary is and some printing presses and, and all it's a it's a beautiful place outside of Kansas City. Uh Everybody should go there, whether or not you're a Unity person. But anyway, before it was Unity Village, it was Unity Farm. And the idea was that people would, you know, grow vegetables and, and, and raise animals, and, and they'd also be there for religious things, too. But it was, they were hippies before there was such a thing as hippies. You know, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. But they kept, they kept chickens. And the thing that, that if you've been around chickens, and, and I haven't, but I know this I have, yeah. If you've been around chickens, if a chicken sees blood, like a sore or something on another chicken, anything red, they will peck that other chicken into oblivion. And it's some kind of Darwinian thing, I don't know. But the point is, that's a problem if you're trying to keep chickens safe. But the Unity, the original Unity people, and Jenny and I too, and a lot of your more hardcore Unity people, are vegetarians. That's kind of how we roll. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a rule that you have to follow, but most Unity people who are really hardcore about Unity are also vegetarians. Well, this is a real problem. If you've got chickens you're raising for eggs that are just, you know, it's... it's a, You're not even eating them, and they're killing each other. Yeah, right. Like Mad Max <laughs> right. undergoing chickens all the time. And so it became a real problem. And so it's a, you know, a what-do-we-do kind of situation. And I think a lot of farmers just deal with it, and that's just part of the facts of chicken existence. But the people at Unity Farm, and this would be like in the 1920s, I Yeah, think, early 1920s. 1920s mm. time frame. So this is the time frame we're talking about. The, the people at Unity Farm decided to take some red glass and wire, and they made little glasses, these little John Lennon glasses for all the chickens, and they just put them on. So there's pictures of chickens walking around in little round red glasses, which is hilarious to me. But the, the, the idea is because they're seeing the world through the rose-colored glasses, they can't distinguish the blood, the blood. so they leave each other alone. And it worked. It did work. And it, it was just one of those things. It's such a unity answer because the idea is there's a bunch of levels to it. First of all, I love people engaging on what they believe in. It's yes. That's huge. But the other thing is we send this message that our experience is dictated by our perception. Yes. So what lenses do you have on right now? Everybody has lenses. You know, there are people who say, well, I'm just not going to believe in anything. Well, you know what? Everybody believes in something. You can't help it. So better to be conscious of what lenses you see. But, um, also, I love the idea that, and this goes right into the branching intake, I love the idea that I'm going to see the world, instead of putting on a blindfold, I'm going to see the whole world as the color of, you know, not as wounded, let's say, but I'm going to see the whole world as healing. Right. The whole world is in process. I'm going to give myself and the people around me a little bit of slack and go, you know what, we're all growing. It's a foolish person that tries to find permanence in the outer. 
The only thing that doesn't change is that truth with the capital T thing, but that's not to be found in another person, place, or thing. Right. And so it's a reminder. I'm going to look at my world as something that's in process. And I'm, that's where forgiveness comes from, an openness. And I'm going to give myself permission to learn, and you too, and I'm not yeah, going to check around, every single word Right, that and I the see. people around me, yeah, give them a little bit of room and a little bit of permission to not be so perfect all the time. Yeah, because perfection isn't in the outer. It's right. in the idea. It's in the feeling. It's in the love that's in your heart. Not in the way you express the love. I try my best to be a good husband, but I'm not always on top of the flowers and candy things. Sometimes I mess up. Well, my love isn't just the things I do. The love is a bigger idea. If I'm on point, my actions model the idea, but not always. So that's how it works. Right. And I didn't pull up the sheet on my corner of the bed further for, uh, far enough this morning and was reminded, <laughs> if you really love me, you would know how I want my bed. Yeah, we would be. We wouldn't have had this interview because we'd, we'd still be having that conversation. Yes. <laughs> Which brings us full circle back, guys, to to the book. The book is Branching In, The Journey from Alone to All One. Uh, Dieter, Jenny, where can people find the book? Where's the best place for them to, to find the book? Well, you can find it at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and all of those kinds of places. But the, the, and you so search for Dear Jenny Randolph, search for Unity Society, search for Branching In. But the best way, the easiest way is just to go to BranchingIn.com. That's the official webpage of the book. And there's links to all of this stuff. There's a little movie with Dieter and Jenny and I. Dieter and Jenny. Oh, good job. All three of us. Oh. <laughs> Time for another cup of coffee. So um, that's this, the Holy Trinity. Now it makes sense. <laughs> Great. And the other website is unitysociety.com. I, I recommend everyone check that out as well. And social media, is there anywhere on social media you want people to find you? Oh, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. On Facebook, we are The Unity Society. Yeah, Facebook.com slash The Unity Society. Our Instagram is at The Unity Society. And that's us on Twitter, too. Yeah, and that's us on Twitter as well. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks so much for, for taking the time to join the weekly app. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. And we can't wait to get you on our podcast, too, because uh, there's folks that listen to us that need to know about what you're doing, because it's just awesome. I, absolutely. And one of these days, we're going to meet face-to-face. Yeah, we're, we, we need to work on that. We, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make the drive cross-state. Whatever, whatever needs to happen, we'll get it done. We'll meet in Sebring. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, we won't. No, no, no. no Sorry, Sebring. Sorry, Sebring. <laughs> 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 Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Looked at a thousand different pictures that your mother took of you. You see, I had this crazy dream last night.